Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour. It's the personal development podcast for authors, entrepreneurs, and career professionals who are looking to level up and become unstoppable. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner. Joining me as always, you know him as the super CEO, the business strategist extraordinaire, and all-around good guy, Ted Fells. Good evening. <laughs> it's Thursday. It is Thursday, isn't it? Happy Thursday. That's right. Happy Thursday. This is episode number 122 wow. of the 30-Minute Hour podcast. And so, Ted, I, I, I always say when we do these special Thursday episodes, it's for a reason. That's what you tell me. <laughs> I mean, I look at my schedule and I see it in there and I'm like... It's a special reason. This must be somebody because I was planning on doing something else this evening, but I guess we got to do a podcast. So I know it's something big. Absolutely. Now, I mean, you know, people with the pandemic and just other situations, they're, they're dealing with trauma and, and other things that they feel like is having a hard time getting past. So I, I thought it'd be good for us to bring a resilience expert to talk about things he's overcome and, and to provide people with strategies to help them overcome as well. Uh, so mm -hmm. I thought this would be a, definitely a great Thursday episode uh, for us to do. Uh, again, like we, uh, this is going to take away a lot of your excuses, those of you that are watching this. You know, if you're, if you're making an excuse as to why you can't do something or you're pointing to something in your past that's keeping you from moving forward in the present, I think your perspective is going to change after you hear Heidi's story. But but please know that this is not your everyday podcast. No, no. Now we, we, we were trying to give, give Heidi a heads up on that <laughs> uh, backstage. Just kind of prepare her ahead of time. <laughs> but, uh, we, we definitely do things differently here on the 30-Minute Hour podcast. Uh, but the good news is that you can watch us live on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, uh, and then later you can actually go back and listen to the recording on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all those other places you like to listen to podcasts. Uh, and don't forget about the What Now Movement. That's right. We got the What Now Movement Facebook group. And make sure you go on Facebook, join the movement, because really the spirit of the movement is about resilience and about pivoting. And, and Heidi, just to give you a, a quick background, we started the movement during the pandemic because a lot of okay. people were saying, oh, my goodness, this is tragic. I'm going to wait to pursue my goal until things get back to normal. Yeah. And, and we felt like the, the last thing people should be saying is I'm going to wait. They should be saying, what now? What can I do? Absolutely. How can I pivot? Mm. So we started the what now movement. I love uh, that. Yeah, so definitely make sure you go and join if you're not a member yeah. already. Today is Thought Leadership Thursday. All right. So, Ted. Yes, Eric. I've got something that's on my mind. Please share, Eric. All right. So I want to talk to you for a little bit about turning your setback into a comeback. Turning your setback into a comeback. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, like the last episode of Ted, I was talking about my experience as a district manager. Um, I, I just, I gotta go back to that experience. So it was several years ago, I'm a district manager and I had 17 locations. Uh, and and this, this district of automotive stores, I was taking it over as a new group to me, but I had this one manager who was experiencing a major decrease in business at his mm. location, right? He's down like 25%. He's just hemorrhaging, just losing money on the profit line at, at a fast pace, mm. right? And then I would ask him about his improvement plans. And every time I asked him, Ted, he would spend 20 minutes reminding me about the major commercial account that he lost that previous year. Oh, you know, I lost that account. I know, you know, they changed... They changed ownership and they decided not to do business with us. And that was a big account for us. Uh, 
you know, every time he always pointed to that, you know, it, it was it was like a major setback for him. And this pattern, it continued for several weeks until one day, just out of frustration, I just, he was about to go down that road. I just, Ted, I cut him off mid-sentence. <laughs> I, 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 I You don't hear anymore. That's what you right. told Stop. Me. I don't want to hear about this commercial account anymore. I get it. <laughs> so I said, look, man, what have you done since the last time I called you to attract <laughs> additional commercial business? Tell me, what have you done? What did he say? All I heard was the sound of silence. Mm, I hear crickets in the background. <laughs> I, I was about to, to check Verizon and make sure something didn't happen with the line. It was, it was just silent. He hadn't done anything. Wow. And so, so it was at that moment I realized this life lesson. This life lesson just came to me, right? And, and again, this, we just need your undivided attention to, to really get this life lesson, right? This is the time where, like, if you're driving, you just need to pull over to the side of the road. Yeah, we got people that listen to us, Heidi, from the gym. You listen to us from the gym, you just need to press pause on the treadmill right about now. <laughs> Stand for a second, press pause, whatever you need to do. Ted, anything else people need to do? Put the ham sandwich down, Heidi. If you're eating a ham sandwich, <laughs> this is the time to, to put that down. It's about to get good. That's right. It's down. It's down. That's right. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we, we really we need your undivided attention to really get this life lesson that I picked up during this moment. And it stayed with me ever since. Here it is. You can't allow a temporary setback to become a permanent excuse. Yeah. Wow. You can't allow a temporary setback to become a permanent excuse. That's what he was doing. And, and so the key to turning your setback into a comeback is recognizing that your trials are temporary. Mm. No matter how bad it is, no matter how bad it seems, we need to recognize that what we're going through is temporary. Mm. And so our guest today, she's dedicated her career to helping people turn their setbacks into comebacks. Mm. Now, I think this is, this is the perfect time for us to introduce her. Now, get this. She survived a paralyzing illness, mm. a gunpoint kidnapping and life-threatening tsunami and petrol bombs. Shit. Yeah, she survived that. She's sitting right here looking at us. Mm. And as, as a result, she has a unique ability to empower leaders and their teams to find the courage to work at their fullest potential despite change, stress, and uncertainty. Mm. And like I said earlier, she's dedicated her career to inspiring thousands of people around the world with resilient self-leadership, well-being programs from small children on remote Pacific islands to C-suite executives in billion-dollar companies. Mm. She resides in Australia, and she's recently been named the best international keynote speaker in the Asia-Pacific region at the Influential Businesswoman Awards. And she's a best-selling author and often appears in the media as an expert on resilience. Wow. Please join me in welcoming to the 30 Minute Hour podcast, Heidi Dinning. Hello, everybody. Yes. All right. All right. Welcome, Heidi. Thank you very much, Eric. It's great to be here with you and Ted. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it's definitely an honor to have you on the show. And I, I want to give everybody just a complete perspective how you got to this point. Let, let's roll back the clock. Let, let's mm -hmm. start with your childhood. When you were growing up, what did you want to be? I was a real sporty spice girl. I played a lot of tennis and I ran and did athletics and gymnastics and rode my bike. Whatever I could do, I did. You know, I live in, in Sydney where the weather is very conducive to being outdoors and running around and just moving a lot. Um, and so I came from a public service background. My father was a policeman. My mother was a teacher. And really, that's kind of the world I knew only, uh, that, that style of service. And so all I wanted to do to combine those two things was to be a phys ed teacher in high schools. Mm. All I wanted to do. It's just my biggest dream from being a little girl. I want to be a phys ed teacher in high schools. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
which I did. That's what, what my first part of my career was. I was a, I taught in here in Sydney, in London, in Vanuatu, and uh, I loved it. I loved doing, helping hormonal cocktail teenagers um, <laughs> to, who were very hard. You know, I talk about now that, you know, people say, well, how do you stand up in front of thousands of people on a stage? And it's like there is no audience as difficult as 30 hormonal teenagers for an hour in a room with you, let me tell you. If you can master that, you can master anything. Wow. So, so yeah. if you could go back to that time, being the Heidi of today, and talk mm. to that phys ed teacher, Heidi, what, what advice would you give to her? At the time, I, I'm a great believer that education changes lives, you know. Mm formal education, informal, on the street, whatever. If we continue to learn, we can change our life. And it was something that I'd, I don't think I really embraced as a, a younger kid um, or in high school. I was there to enjoy myself um, probably. And even in my college years, I would say I was there to enjoy myself, which I did. And, um, and I didn't really just embrace that the gift of education and now now that I've, I've I've traveled a lot around the world and I've I've been to many places where education um, is taken away from people they don't have access to it and I know that when you can keep kids in school for every year one year more the ripple effect it can make for that entire community makes such a huge difference so I suppose that's what I would try to try to teach myself like you've you are given this on a platter, like make the most of it. Don't mm -hmm. don't just turn up. Mm. Listen. Listen hard. Learn. Yeah, that's what I tell myself. So, wow, that's interesting. So you would have taken more advantage of the educational opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Interesting. interesting. So, so talk to us about how does someone go from a phys ed teacher to speaking all around the world about resilience. What, what, what were some of those steps? Well, I, as a phys ed teacher, you know, the uh, in our public uh, public school system here, I was paid a wage every week, but that wage didn't actually cover the expenses of the lifestyle that I wanted. And I knew that I would need to get a second job if I wanted to continue to do the things I wanted to do, to continue to buy pretty dresses with matching shoes and hand handbags, I needed a second job. So mm. I uh, went and did my personal training qualification. And for two and a half years as I was teaching, I did personal training outside of those hours. So before I went to school, I had clients outside at, at the end of the day and on Saturdays. And you know, I just, this was before personal training became a thing. You know, when I when I started, there was one studio within a five-kilometre radius of where I was located. And I just became very busy very quickly and knew I had to make a decision either way because I, I started not to do either job very well because I mm. was just too busy. And one day I was driving across the Sydney Harbour Bridge over to the school that I was teaching at and... I just had one of those moments which was I am going to resign today. Today. This is the day I'm going to resign. I had a I'd had a very I have a very supportive husband who'd kept saying, look, you're doing so well. People are referring you. You should give it a go. But I was not sure to give up, you know, a, a salary and sick pay and long service leave and yes. all the wonderful superannuation, everything that comes with having a proper job um, but this particular day I knew it was the day and I went straight into the principal's office and said that's it I'm resigning and we have a wonderful system here in Australia where you get to take a year's leave without pay just as a safety net so I knew that I could give it a shot if it didn't work out I still had my job back so it wasn't really a, a big risk in that way but within six weeks I had met my one-year financial goal and therefore, I decided to completely resign from teaching and, and give it a go. And I had started, I started in my stinking garage with uh, $200 worth of secondhand equipment. Mm. And then for the next 17 years, I built that business and I grew it. And I had about 
15 trainers who were working with me with then support staff. We we moved premises three times as we kept getting bigger. Mm. I became the um, president of the industry association. We won awards. And 17 years later, I, I, I sold it uh, for the price that I wanted and for the terms that I wanted. And I... It was unbelievable. I would never would have thought, you know, just for somebody wanting a, a part-time job to earn a little bit more money, what that actually could turn into. Wow. But at the same time, I, I had what we would call now a, a side hustle. At the time, it was my passion project. And as a 20-year-old, I'd gone to Vanuatu, which is a, um, a, a series of islands on the east coast of Australia in the Pacific. And I'd been a teacher there and... That was kind of where my little my moment of education is just so important. I wanted to go back and make a difference. So many years later, I set up a not-for-profit and worked with local communities in Vanuatu to uh, do girls' empowerment programs and literacy programs. And again, this not-for-profit grew from me just doing my little bit to us having volunteers across three countries. Uh, we built a library on a, a remote island. And it, it was just this incredible thing where we changed lives from small children through to adults that we gave employment to and education opportunities. And it was just the most important thing um, outside of my family um, in my life to be able to, to make, be able to do that. But unfortunately, uh, one night while we were there, with I was leading one of my volunteer teams and there had been some local cultural conflict that had nothing to do with us, uh, but unfortunately we got wrapped up in the middle of it and on the second night of this particular volunteer mission, we were asleep. Uh, it was about midnight and I was, I was woken by a loud noise which I later found to be the first petrol bomb that had been thrown at my bedroom. And, you know, when you're kind of coming out of a bit of a dream state and you're not, you're not really sure what's real or what's in your dream and it's coming out and I, I, could, I could smell the smoke and I could knew that then I could see the smoke all in my room and I so jumped up and all I could see was just flames all outside my window and um, yeah it was a horrendous experience so I ran out and you know bashing on all out do the doors of the team to, to evacuate them and the, the entire place had been petrol bombed and we were on fire and unfortunately a, a local group who were um, wanting to send a message felt that by burning us alive while we slept would be the way this message would be heard most because they knew that we were doing important work and if we were uh, injured or, or killed that that message would be loud and clear then um, and the sad thing I mean there was many things terrible about that night but there's a number of lessons that I learned firstly I, I had some physical injuries from that night, but I, the worst injuries were the emotional ones. You know, I suffered terribly with PTSD uh, for about a year. But people would only ask me about my physical injuries. No one, no one likes to talk about mental ill health. Mm. So people could see I, I'd, I had broken a foot, in, a bone in my foot from running around. I was on crutches. I had lung damage from... No one want. Everyone would just ask me about... Oh, how are your lungs? How's your foot mending? But no one, no one likes to talk about mental ill health. And that was just really interesting because I was suffering terribly, terribly. Mm. The second thing I know is that I had to take time off to recover um, because it, it just impacted my life so much. And I, we I, I lost the whole foundation. We couldn't go back. And um, the thing was, in my day job business, I had put in lots of policies and programs that allowed me to step away whenever I needed to and the business would continue to run. I had everything that I did in a day written down so someone could step in. We called it the red bus book. If I ever got hit by a red bus, someone else could come in and read the red bus book and follow the program. But I had not done that with my side hustle. 
with my passion project. I hadn't done it. So when I needed to step away, there was no one who knew what to do. And this is, I think, when I talk to business owners, it doesn't matter if it's your day job or your side job. You must, must, must have policies, uh, processes and systems in place to ensure that if you cannot work for any reason, and we know now more than ever that life can turn like that, right? You've got to put something in place to allow for that. And the third thing I learned was, of course, that um, even leaders struggle, you know, it's just because you are leading a organization, a small business, a remote team, whatever, it doesn't mean that you won't be impacted and that we all have to be a little kinder with each other um, with the fact that things do happen that have a really big impact on our lives. Amazing story. And uh, I was in South Africa. It was the end of this kind of period of time and I needed to go from this one point to the other point, but it was in, a, in the most dangerous area of South Africa and everyone said, whatever you do, do not hitchhike through there. You've just got to, like, you know, get off your little mission that I'm going to hitchhike through this whole trip. No, you're not hitchhiking through there. It is far too dangerous. But, of course, I thought I was uh, in, in unstoppable. I thought I was unstoppable, right, yeah. and didn't listen to wise people who knew far more than me. And um, they said, okay, well, if you go to hitchhike, you need to get one hitch and it will get you f- from the beginning of this kind of county right through to the other end. Whatever you do, don't get dropped off in the middle. Don't do it. And, of course, waited eight hours for a hitch to take right through. No one's going right through. Only everyone's stopping in the middle. So I was like, oh, how bad could this be? Uh. I'll tell you what, it was bad. Um, the boyfriend I had at the time, we we got the hitch, ended up in this this kind of the capital of the county and because that's all this hitch was going. And as we're getting out, this guy was a, um, a volunteer Scottish policeman in the area. Mm-hmm. And just as we're getting out, he said, oh, have you got a knife? I said, a knife? Well, we've got our Swiss Army knife, you know, to help us open our tuna cans and things like that. But he's like, no, no, you'll need a knife. Open the glove box and take one of my knives. Wow. like, what? So we get out and start walking and, you know, when you just can feel like all the hairs on my back, not that I have got hair on my back, I just, (laughs) you know, Everything was just in massive alert because Mm. there was about 60, 70, 80 people, just men just surrounding us, coming through around us. And we're just like, shit, this this is it. Actually, this is it. And we've got a knife, but like, I'm not sure if I'm a knife using kind of person. I don't know what I would do. But anyway, this, this car sped past screaming something out the window and we didn't know what was going on and they looped around and came back these men in um you know kind of army fatigues got out with big big uh ak-47s screaming at us in another language that we didn't understand but basically getting it like pointing the gun at our heads to get into the car and i was like right this is it it's it's all over (laughs) we're dead for sure um Thankfully, what it was, was they had come to save us, in fact. They could see how much trouble we were in and they were part of, they were part of a <coughs> proper, proper, um, you know, army group who were just like, if you guys spend five more minutes on that street, you will be dead. We're going to take you somewhere safe. Um, wow. Yeah. So that was a, that was a. One of those one of those moments in life where you know you have just been given a lucky lucky chance. Wow! So I'm, I'm always fascinated by the fact that you know two people can go through the same trauma, and one mm. person just never recovers. The other yeah. person is like you, and they go on to use it to learn and become better. What was what was it about you that you were able to kind of convert this pain into something positive? Oh, that's a great question. Well, firstly, we know that to be resilient, we're, we're impacted by four different things very quickly. Uh, um, our 
nature, our DNA. We do get some resilience through our DNA. Uh, there's, there's definitely that. And I've, I know I've got some strong ancestors, so I suppose I get a little bit from that. We're impacted by our nurture, uh, you know, how we are brought up, our socioeconomic situation, our networks, that it all has an impact. The third one are the events that happen to us. As you just said, Eric, the same two, two different people can have the same event, but they are impacted very differently. But what I've learned about you know, the varying different events, you know, from waking up one morning, which was probably the first real adversity I had, and having lost use of all my leg, my all my legs, both my legs, um, I don't have more than two, uh, I'd lost use of them for eight months from this random virus and I couldn't walk. And so, I've, you know, these, these various events that go on, it, you grow a little bit of a muscle from them. If you recover from them, you grow, a, you grow some kind of courage muscle, resilience muscle that just yeah. gives you that little bit more to be able to deal with the next time. And that's sure. certainly something that happens. But the most important thing that um, impacts our resilience are our thoughts and how we think about things. And the one that I go back to all the time is when I'm going through a challenge or adversity is I've done hard shit before. <laughs> I can do this, you know. Right. And that's, it's just, I've just got to go back to that thought the whole time. I've had an AK-47 pointed at my head. I've had a life-threatening tsunami coming at me where I've had to make the final I love you goodbye call to my husband. Petrol, you know, all of those things, um, somehow, some way, I've got through them. So whatever it is right now, I, I can do this. And our thoughts, our thoughts are what's so powerful. But, you know, t t sorry, Ted, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was just get when you said what, what made you turn that, you know, it was actually the, the actual turning point for me was to go into this next part of my life where I do stand on stages and talk about these these strategies to 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 work through to to find your courage and build your resilience so you can deal with challenges it was a two year anniversary of that petrol bomb situation and i was sitting in my backyard and although i had got through the worst part you know i'm the PD, i've I'd had counseling and i'd worked through the pdsd i had crippling insomnia and i'd built a new business I was sitting there and I could feel the rage still inside me, the rage from all the betrayal and loss that I'd experienced and what it had done to me mentally, financially, with my self-worth, professionally, everything. I had this rage deep inside me and I knew then that if I did not find a way to turn that rage into something positive, it was going to eat me alive and cause me problems throughout my life. And I had that day I had to make that choice. What am I going to do to turn this around? And it was actually that day that I decided to, to write the book. Um, her middle name is Courage. And uh, and there all the all the stories I've just mentioned. Um, you know, the wild and wonderful ones, just the different insights that I have learned from the challenges and the experience that I've gone through and how they can be applied to people's lives now. And if I can help one one person to just learn something from that and be able to apply it so they, it helps them through a challenge, my tick, my job is done. That'd be great. Wow. So, so now, I mean, you're this sought-after resilience expert. So what steps can people take to, to increase their level of resilience? I have a five-part formula. Would you like me to share it with you? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. The first part is to be still. To be still for 10 minutes a day, if you can. <laughs> And if that's too much, start with one minute and just build on that. But the thing is, especially over this last 15 months where everybody has been scrambling to find what now, as you talked about, what now, what can I do now? And everyone's scrambling. How does this new, how do I have to adapt to being, to stay viable, to stay visible, to stay credible, to stay profitable? 
Mm. Um, our, our minds are so busy trying to figure that out and try to make it happen. And, you know, if you think of going to the gym and you're doing, you're doing bicep curls and you're curling and you're curling and you're curling, well, eventually you've got to give that muscle a break if you want it to continue to perform. Sure. Now, our brain is a muscle too, and we need to give that a break so if we want it to perform. And that is why being still is important. Now, that does not mean you have to sit on top of a mountain, cross your legs and, you know, do this with your fingers and go into full meditation. <laughs> no, it not, does not mean that. And I know people yeah. think that's what you have to do, but it's not that. Yeah, I was, I was getting a little concerned because I know some people that are like, I told you, I need to give my brain a break. I told you I needed that. Yeah, we all. Yeah. Ted, do you need to give your brain a break? From time to time, I need to give my brain a break. Too yeah. much thinking. Too much, Too much thinking. Yeah, it's hard work, right? And mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, there are, you can just stand at the window with your cup of tea or coffee and just look out for 10 minutes. Mm. You can sit with your dog and do nothing but pat it for 10 minutes. You know, there are many ways that you can be still for 10 minutes without feeling mm. that you have to be a real yogi about it because um, that's off for many people that is just too much and too hard. So that's sure. my first tip. Give that brain a break. Um, number two in the formula is to find joy. You know, mm. COVID sucked the living life of joy out of our worlds and mm. what we've yeah. all been really, uh, what we've done for joy normally uh, we haven't been able to do. I mean, uh, Sydney's back in lockdown, you know, and the things that make me smile, I, I can't, the normal things that make me smile, I can't do mm. anymore. So what are the things that bring you, you joy? And maybe when I was when I was healing myself after that petrol bomb uh, situation, I, I learned how to do samba and I went to samba and, and, and learned that. And, but, you know, maybe people just like to crank up the music in their lounge room and get their groove on or, you know, have have conversations and wine with their friends, whether it's on Zoom or whether it's if you can go to a bar right now or have a massage or walk the dog or throw the frisbee with the kids. But what is it that brings you some joy? Because we need to have joy and joy helps us be more resilient to the challenges that we have. Mm. And it's the scheduled joy. You know, we want to be happy every day, of course, but it's that scheduled joy for at mm. least, I say, at least an hour a week, put that scheduled joy into your calendar. What is it? Maybe it's a club that you're involved with, that you do, um, whatever. The third one is to chill out. <laughs> chill out once a month, sleep in, stay in your gym jams, sloth on the couch, watch Netflix for hours, whatever it is. But chill out. Gosh, you know, business owners, we work so hard, so mm. hard. You need to chill out, have some downtime. Let me tell you, honey, hang on. That's a tough one. <laughs> and it is, isn't it? It is. Real tough. Do you struggle That's with that, Eric? One. Do you struggle? Absolutely. No, absolutely, because I, I like tell today, I'm just, I, I like to go. I think I've recognized just over the years as I've gotten older the need for exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Because it does make a huge difference, but it's it's simple, but it's not easy. At least not for me. So no. I'm glad you bring this up. That, that's something I just need. I do. That would be nice if I just did nothing for an entire day. I don't yeah. know what that's like yet, but <laughs> I'm, I'm working towards. Yeah, that's 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 tough. That that's is tough. that's tough. What if you what if you started with just two hours on a Sunday? Do you think you could gift yourself that? I could oh, do two hours. Yeah, I could do hours. I can All do right. Hours. Yeah. Just gift yourself. Make small steps. You know, this is the thing. We I'm giving best case scenario, but we all know perfection is a fairy tale, right? So that's right. That's right. Start start small. Mm -hmm. This month you might do two hours on a Sunday. Mm. In August, you might do two and a half hours on a Sunday. You know, it's not a big jump, but you're gifting yourself that little bit more chill out time. You get mm. one more, you're having one more episode or you're having one more chapter of a book or whatever it might be. You know, just give it a shot. See how it makes you feel. Chill out, Eric. 
Chill out, Eric. Chill out, man. I mean, you're all tight. <laughs> you're running. You're writing books. You're working out. You're doing yeah. podcasts. Yeah. Chill exactly. out. Like how this is. Chill out. <laughs> a couple hours. Well, I'll tell you, this has helped me already. So that's right. I'm so pleased. That's this right. Has been an awesome episode. So, mm. so we, we got three of the five steps. Three of the five. Yep. So number four is to live life. Live life. We know in a heartbeat. It can change dramatically. So what is it that we can do? And I say to people, once a quarter, take that long weekend. Don't, don't Marie Kondo your house that long weekend. Do not do that, <laughs> all right? Don't think this is a great time to organise that uh, pantry or finally go through that box that's up on top of the wardrobe. No, once a quarter, just live life. You know, if if you if because of restrictions you can't get on a plane and go somewhere, yes, like the old the good old times. But have a picnic in the park with friends. You know, kick the soccer ball down the park. Do go to a museum, see a show, drink cocktails in a swanky wine bar. But live life. You know, what's the point of working so hard if we can't actually get some joy out of it and do that? And once a quarter, that's not hard, surely. And the final one. And I tell you, if you can't do any of those four, this fifth one is definitely the most important. And it's to connect more. Mm. Connect more with great humans who put a smile on your face, some warmth in your heart, and hopefully a bit of wisdom in your head as well. Um, but we all, you know, I think we've what we've really realised lately is that that connection piece to be able to connect it to other good people yeah. uh, really makes a difference difference to our worlds. And when we're talking about resilience, if we, you know, you can't be who you can't see. Yeah. And, you know, they say you're the average of the five people who you're surrounded with. Well, surround yourself with people who you want to be because then when you get in stuck in tough stuff, wow they will be the ones that you can reach out to and they can make such a difference to your life. Wow. Well, well we get the opportunity to connect with great people every week, don't we? Eric? You would. Oh, you would. Virtually. Like, look at today. We're connected with a great person in Australia oh, thank that you. we did not know prior to today. So this is, yeah, we, we got that part down, Eric. That's the easy part. You can take that one off. Yeah, I can do number five. I'm, I'm good so there. No yeah, we're okay with number five. So do so do I have to follow you up and like see how the chill out one's gonna go? Yeah, that's gonna be tough. One. Give the brain, give the brain a break. I'm all in for that one too, because you know people all the time will be like, oh yeah, well, yeah. you know, well, what do you think about this? No, when I leave work, I don't do any thinking about anything. Where do you want to eat? It doesn't matter. Where do you want to go? It doesn't matter. I don't want to yeah. think about anything at that point. I don't want to watch anything. I got to do a lot of thinking. I'm thinking all day. I just want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. You should find that easy then, Ted. Like, yeah, that, I got that one. Give the brain a break. Yeah. Yeah. Connect with good people. Mm. But like Eric, that chill out. Tough. Two hours in a Two month. Hours. Two, Two hours. hours. These, these are great points. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So just just to summarize. So if someone wants to. Take some steps to become more resilient. They need to be still. They need to find joy. They need to just chill out. Uh, they need to <laughs> chill out. Even if it's only for two hours, they need to chill out. To yeah, okay. yeah. Um, to live life and to connect more. That is awesome. So we're talking about becoming more resilient, and certainly this pandemic, which we kind of we've been talking about through this episode. Um, has impacted people. I'm just curious, Heidi, how has the pandemic impacted you and your work? Talk, talk more about that. Yeah, well, I um, mean, March last year, I, within about five days, I lost 90% of my bookings and income um, yeah. for 2020. It was yeah. because what I do is I go to conferences and I stand on stages or I go into workplaces and do training and development and all of that, of course, was no more. So that was pretty tough. I, I th yeah, I, I definitely struggled because it's that whole self-worth piece. This is what I, I love to do because I, like if I, if I can feel every day I'm, I'm empowering people with strategies to help them, then that, that's why I'm here on this earth. 
So to have that taken away was really hard. Um, after after I had my pity party for a little while, I again said, you know what, I've done tough stuff before. Uh, this is just going to be one of those things. So what can I do? And, of course, technology has allowed us to go virtually. And um, so I did, of course, a lot of virtual keynotes, a lot of virtual training and development. I've created um, a virtual resilience masterclass series that I do with organisations. It's a, We do like five uh, bite-sized, five 30-minute ones just to help um, leaders with their teams to just deal with the continued uncertainty around the world because that's what it is. And um, what we know is that people are really challenged by change and uncertainty. And the resilience development plan that I have uh, put together specifically for these times allows into individuals to create their own development plan based on the challenges and responsibilities and likes and dislikes that they have for them um, so that they can be working at their full potential at work but also be at their full potential in life. And that's what mm. we really want. Yeah. So, so when you, you talk about your programs, you've got on-stage programs, online programs. So like, yeah. who is your target target audience? What's your ideal client look like? Yeah, look, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I work a lot in the financial services because they go through a lot of change a lot of the time. And it is this change piece, I suppose, that I help uh, uh, teams to become more resilient to change. Because we know, I mean, some people are really motivated by change and love it. And they're just like, yeah, come on, bring it on. But others find it really tough. And um, so I work a lot in the financial services, professional services. And but anyone, just groups who are dealing with change and uncertainty is who I'm working mostly with at the moment. And and that can be, you know, I work across 16 different industries. So it's... it really is about working with companies who really do want their people to work at their fullest potential and that they they know that what they're experiencing right now is that people are doing it tough and finding it hard to deal with it all. Okay. And, and you mentioned your book earlier and you feel free to sh- show the people your book. Uh, her middle name is Courage. Mm-hmm. Yes. So talk about what will people gain by reading it? Yeah, the whole purpose of the book was um, to, I suppose, you know, I've, I've, I've done a lot of things. I've been, I've had a lucky life where I've travelled a lot and I've had really interesting experiences. Uh, some of them I've talked about today, uh, other ones, you know, weird and wonderful and wild. and But all experiences, I think the, the point of experience, I mean, I talk about resilience at People keep talking about resilience. It, it allows you to bounce back to the way you were, you know. But I don't, I don't believe that's how we should devi- define a resilient person or a resilient business because, to me, resilience is about learning something from a challenge, adapting it to whatever the new norm is, the new adversity, the new challenge, whatever that it is, so we can move forward, so we can bounce forward, not back. We don't mm. want to go back. We don't even get to go back, do we? We yeah, want to right. bounce forward. And mm. um, for this, again, with your what now, like, you know, not what was, it's what now, what's new? Where yeah. can I, how do I go forward? Uh, and so the book was all, all about, all right, what are these insights that I've learned to allow me to continue to go forward? And so I talk, uh, the, 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 the kind of model of the book is I talk about a story and there's, there's humour and, the, you know, there's storytelling. But at the end of each chapter, there are three insights that I've learned that I've been able to apply and teach others to apply to their lives. And they're just short, sharp kind of insights to help people um, move forward under, mm. under challenging times. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like that's something that everybody could benefit from. You know, her middle name is Courage. Because yeah. I mean, things are gonna happen. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I remember I had a uh, I used to belong to this church, and the, the pastor would always say, "Yeah, I don't care who you are. You're either in trouble, just getting out of trouble, or headed towards trouble. <laughs> <laughs> who you are." Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. yeah. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. 
That's you know, fantastic. And <laughs> so that, you know, I, I think that resilience is critical. Absolutely. Then, yeah. You know, and that's the thing, you know, I, you know, the, the byline of it is, you know, how, how self-leadership, because that's how self-leadership transforms chaos into clarity, pressure into performance, mm-hmm. and rage into resilience. So yeah. how do we go from these, these states that we're in here into a better state? And that's all around self-leadership in my mind. Hmm. So, 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 so Heidi, during the pandemic, I'm sure you had clients that, you know, were experiencing, you know, kind of these, these moments, Mm. right? So, I mean, so how did you, Mm. how did you deal with them? How were you able to, to help them or or anything you'd like to share around that? Yeah. Well, I think the first part was, being honest and vulnerable as well. And I think this is what we all need to do a little bit more of um, and to be able to say, you know what, I'm, <laughs> just because I'm the resilience expert does not mean that I'm not struggling right now because this is mm. this is bloody hard right now. Right. And so, and, you know, I even just, you know, Sydney's gone back into lockdown and um, we've just had this spike again and it's like, you know, when we, everything seemed like it was going fine, we have just, tipped over into a bad place here again and mm. I've got to say that the last kind of six weeks I, I've really struggled again and I had to take some time out because um, I was just feeling burnt out it was like finally finally everything was coming back to normal and I had all these bookings around Australia again and it was so mm. exciting and it was like I've worked so hard over the last year to make this happen again and it was just taken away again and and it just feels like oh yeah. And uh, yeah, but I, you know, I'm happy to say that I I, I I struggled, and I think that's okay to say. And we, as leaders, I think we should we have a responsibility to not to pretend that we are all okay all the time, because that way yeah. it doesn't allow people <clears throat> to say, "Oh, I'm not okay," but I can't say because I might lose my job, or they might mm-hmm. not promote me, or you know they're going to think I'm, I'm no good and I can't handle things. But, wow, I think it takes great courage to say I'm a bit wobbly right now and I need yeah. a little bit of help. <clears throat> it takes courage. That's interesting when I was talking about the, I can't remember the name of the, the young lady, the tennis player, and she just said she Naomi needed, Osaka, yeah. Yeah, she, she, needed a, she needed a moment. Yeah, she did. And how brave was she? She was so courageous. I, I actually uh, did some media interviews on that based on that situation for exactly mm. that reason here in Australia because, you know, for her to, to, to kind of say out loud, my mental health is not right right now mm. and, I need, and I need a break. And mm. I, like I've, I just think she was so courageous to do that. Mm. It's just amazing. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so you may not know this, but how does someone know that they need a moment? Like, what are some of the the signs? Yeah. um, Well, there's there's a few signs. Firstly, uh, and this can come in any order for everybody. It's I I actually take people through this kind of map of how we map out what the warning signs that our body and brain actually do send to us um, when we start to get a bit wobbly, as I say. Mm-hmm. And what, one of them is that our care factor drops. Um, you know, we're not as interested in projects at work that used to really excite us. Uh, yeah. we, we're not as interested in catching up with people who mean a lot to us. Uh, mm-hmm. Even our favourite Netflix series, we're not even, we don't even care about. Uh, mm-hmm. So just that the care factor uh, drops. Um, secondly, what happens is often people struggle with their sleep. They mm. can't fall asleep or they can't stay asleep. I don't know if you guys have ever stared at the ceiling at 3 a.m. <laughs> worrying about what's gone before and what's coming up. Um, but Heidi, let me say this about me. I, you know, and I know I go through a lot of stuff, but sleep, oh, no, it doesn't take any time. I'll fall right, I'll fall right to sleep. Yeah, you, fall, not, you do. You're a good sleeper. Yeah, yeah. Issue is not sleep. Now I wake back up and then be like, oh, but sleep. Yeah, I'm thankful that that's never. I've gone through some things, but I will fall asleep. And that's amazing. I could yeah. punch you right now, Ted, because you know that's so unfair. <laughs> 
I would go. I would go to sleep. You call me and say, Ken, how are you feeling about that situation? I'm asleep. I'm gonna deal with it. In a, so unfair. In the I'm gonna deal so with it in the unfair. morning. Absolutely, it didn't stop me. Then, thank God, it didn't, it didn't stop me from sleeping. No. Oh well. I may, I, I, may, I may snack a little bit. You, know. you snack? Yeah, yeah. Well, I may snack a little bit. Yeah, and that's you know people do they you know they they either they they snack more or they snack less. Um, mm -hmm. They do online shopping a bit more than usual or. Yeah. Um, but those things, but another sign is our brain function doesn't work so much. You know, we mm. can't focus and concentrate. We find ourselves making silly mistakes where we know usually we, you know, we're, we tick all boxes and we're really um, able to find the errors. Uh, we forget things, you know, you, you pick up, you pick up your phone to call someone and it's like, who was I going to call? Uh -oh. or, you, or you walk into a room and it's like, what are I coming here for? Have you had I'm that? I'm in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> now, maybe, now, maybe, as you say, maybe I might be a little wobbly. Because I forget I forget stuff all the time. Oh, man. That means I'm wobbly? That means I'm wobbly, Heidi, because I'm forgetting stuff? Well, you. I think you need to consider that you're forgetting when you forget more than normal. Perhaps that's when you need to think, okay, now I'm getting wobblier. Wobbly. <laughs> yeah. And I may need to give my brain a rest and chill a little bit. Correct. I'm a little wobbly. Correct. Because you're okay. a bit wobbly. All right. All right. Uh, you all might notice your physical health changes. You know, you mm. might be getting headaches, aches and pains. You're not getting <clears throat> over coughs and colds as quickly. Um, and of course, mental health, getting crankier when you're usually pretty chilled, uh, just biting, you know, at people when mm. you're not usually doing that, That's getting no feeling true. anxious. Right feeling down and out there. I mean, they're the signs to look for definitely when um, the wobbly start. That sounds like a book right there. Signs to know when you're wobbly. Yeah. When you're a little, little, little wobbly, Eric, yeah, these are the signs. <laughs> you yeah, could you, be right. You got to recognize those signs for sure. <laughs> and you do. And you do. And what's different from all of us, right? You know, I know immediately when my sleep goes that something's going on. That's my mm -hmm. number one thing. But for other people, oh, they might get a cold sore. You know, that's that's your body um, saying, warning, warning, warning. Wow. And that's, you know, as, as bad as a cold sore is, it's a great warning sign that you are off balance. So it's wow. time to do a bit of chilling. No, this has been great. Uh, we're, now, we're at the part of the program where we go around the horn. And each of us leaves a closing thought for the people to help them to become unstoppable. Heidi, this is Ted's favorite part of the show, by the way. Okay. He just loves this. Um, but, we, but we'll start with you, Heidi, as the guest of honor. Now, what's you. that closing thought that you'd like to leave people with? My closing thought for today, which is my favorite thing in the world to say to myself, is if it's going to be, it's up to me. Mm. No mm. one else can do this for me. <laughs> when I'm wobbly, no one can give me a magic pill to get me out of it. Mm. When I am struggling, there is not a magic a carpet that's going to take me from here to there. No one can do it for, for me. I have to do it myself. If it's going to be, it's up to me. Oh, that's great. If it's going to be, it's up to me. Yeah. Wow. Excellent. I'm okay. follow that. Got to follow that, Eric. It's going to be, it's up to me. Yeah. All right. So, you know, when I think about, you know, resiliency, it's all, all comes down to thinking, man, you've been through some stuff before, right? You've been through some, some stuff before. And so, you know, for me, it's always a kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a faith perspective. And I just look at it. I'm like, okay, God, I've been through this before. And I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. And, you were with me and you saw me through this. And so in each of these situations, I kind of you know, first have that moment, right? It's like, okay, whoa, like this is what I'm dealing with, mm -hmm. right? And then you just kind of regroup and it's like, okay, okay, God, okay, what am I going, what am I going to do? Right. And then that's kind of the, the process. I had that, that moment where it's like, whoa. And then it's like, okay, you know, now I got to reset and, you know, and, and move and move forward in it because especially in, in leadership, Right. Like mm -hmm. it's like it's nowhere else to to go. 
right? Yeah. But up. Yeah. So it's like you and God. Right? That's like, <laughs> like, like, like that's it. Like the rest of the t- the rest of the team is like, hey, Eric, what are we gonna do? Like, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know. We just lost this account. What are we gonna do? And you can't go back and be like, I don't know what we're gonna do. No, you gotta <laughs> you gotta come back with something. Yeah, you know, because they're looking to you to mm-hmm. be able to deal with it. And I think that having to deal with that so much in business, it kind of goes into how you deal with your stuff, your your personal life as well. You kind of go the same way. It's kind of like, okay, like yeah. I'm always dealing with you know, a situation and trying to come up with what a solution is to be able to, to be resilient and, and to move forward, yeah. you know? So, you know, but I think you gave me some new ones. You know, you got to chill, you got to give, yeah. you, know, you got to give your brain a rest, Yeah. you know, and uh, you got to live life. And what was yeah. the other ones? Sch- schedule some joy. Yeah. That's schedule the joy. We, that's something we got to do, Eric. And, and that's not virtual. Don't send me a link to schedule some joy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Man, here's, yeah. Your, here's, here's yeah. your joy link. I don't, no, I don't want a joy link. Eric. We gotta go get something to eat, man. We gotta go do something. Not, not just, a, not just a joy link. You know? uh, yeah, it's a, and can I say the connect more is not liking a few things on Facebook either. Yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> no, that, that does that, not count. That, that doesn't count. Yeah, that doesn't no. count either. No. But no, I think this is re- some really good, uh, you know, tools that you shared. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and my around the horn has to do when I think about how to be more resilient. I, I just go back to something that's that's helped me. It's something we've said on this show many times. It's the idea. I think you have to just walk around with the belief that everything is happening for you and not mm. to you. Yeah. Mm. I think if you can maintain that perspective, I mean, you know how you talked about not being able to sleep. Right. So, so back when I was a district manager, I had like 500 employees working for me. It was just all kinds of stuff going on. I would have like, you know, weeks at a time where every morning I would, I would wake up at like three and just couldn't get back to sleep. Wow. Actually, 2.30 sometimes. And I just couldn't get back to sleep. And it just became the norm for a little while. But I learned that that taught me to just get in this habit of controlling the controllables. Like, mm. look, no matter what's going on, there's only a certain amount of things that you can control. Sure. Yeah. So, so there's no point in worrying and thinking about how you're going to do this or how you're going to have this conversation with this person or what if this happens. Da, 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 da. So, <laughs> I, I think in those experiences, like I, I don't have sleeping issues now. Mm. You know, I, I have some. There's things that that are going on, but I've just learned that, like this is this is what I can do, and you know, I'm just going to do the best I can with what I can control. Yeah. And, and I think that that's just a big takeaway for someone that's looking to become more resilient. You know, the things that are happening, then I think there's things that like I could be experiencing right now and I don't understand why it's happening and blah, blah, blah. But down the road, there's going to be a benefit. Mm. And I think that's just that's just the mindset and the perspective we have to embrace. Definitely. And, and I certainly appreciate you, Heidi, because you you've outlined specific steps that people can take you you were just like you know what you got to think better you got to you know you know light the candles and meditate you you you, you, you gave us yes because some nights i was not trying to light no candle no, I <laughs> i'm know. like that is not going to help that payroll happen no, so no, I no, no, right. candles in here, sit yeah. down on the floor indian style um, like that's yeah that's not going to do it no it's not <laughs> no. no yeah i'm with you that's yeah, not, not the only way. Mm-hmm. And people need tools and steps and things that they can go take action on. And Heidi, you definitely have provided that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I want to thank you uh, for sharing yes, what you fun. shared. Um, and, and please tell the people how they can best connect with you. Thank you, Eric and Ted. It's been a great, great to be here and have this conversation with you both. I've, I've loved every minute of it. Uh, and, I, and I hope we've all been able to uh, help your community in, in some small way today. So, I mean, I, I hang out a lot on LinkedIn, so you can go to, you know, see me there quite often. Um, my website, HeidiDenning.com, um, that's, you can see the spelling. It's one N. Most people spell it wrong, but yeah, one N. Um, 
And yeah, that's where you'll find my different programs. The, I mean, the Virtual Resilience Masterclass Series is probably the one that is of most benefit now that I, I think, you know, and, and the great thing is I can do it with in, um, teams around the world, which is just, which is just beautiful, of course. So, and that, that's the, one of the silver linings that's come out of this last year that that's possible. So yeah, I'm grateful for that. That's great. Great. Now, definitely, you, I mean, you guys that are following us, you need to get a hold of Heidi's programs um, and, and really take your resilience game to the whole, to that next level. Mm-hmm. So, the, yeah, this, this has been a fantastic show. You know, our goal on the 30-minute hours, we want you to laugh, we want you to learn, and ultimately level up. Yeah. And hopefully we've accomplished that for you today. And so all we ask is that you share the show. Share the show. <laughs> yeah, this has been a, an amazing episode. It's not your everyday podcast. Until next time. <laughs>